put up your dukes and get ready to sweat because in this episode we're going to learn how to stop beating up scarecrows so that we can start beating up robots. Hey everybody, my name is Ray Burns and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of life so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. Before I explain that very weird introduction, I want to just take a moment to thank my supporters over on Patreon who allow me to do this podcast without having to worry about the finances. If you'd like to join them in supporting Onward in the Faith, you can check the link down in the show notes to find out how to support Onward in the Faith every month or through a one-time donation, or just stick around till the end of the episode. So, Scarecrows and Robots. If we're honest... We all love to be right, and we like to be on the winning side. And for a lot of us, part of that enjoyment of being right isn't just knowing that we are right, but also knowing why every other belief or understanding or idea is either inferior, weaker, or just flat out wrong. And this really touches every area of life. We see it in politics, we see it in religion, we see it in who your favorite sports team is. All of us are just inherently desiring to be right, which isn't a bad thing, right? We we don't want to be wrong and continue believing the thing. I mean, the whole point of this, this ministry, the whole point of really anyone's life is to keep seeking truth so that we can better understand how we ought to live in light of that truth. Now, as people of God, we want to love truth as much as our God does. And because of that, because we rely on God and the word he's given us for truth, one thing that we know that often makes us stand apart from the rest of the world is that we know that there is such a thing as objective truth. Something is right or something is wrong. There are, of course, matters of preference, but when it comes to hard truth, we can't just say, oh, what's true for you is true for you, but not for me. That is lazy and that is dishonest. And so... As God's people, often we get very focused on what is true and what is false. And in our discussions, we will often talk not just about facts that support us, but also showing why other belief systems just don't work. They don't add up. They don't stand up to scrutiny. However, we don't always engage with false beliefs truthfully. And when I say us, I mean all of us. This is a, I think, a very natural problem, either as human beings or just as people who grow up in the culture we do, that when we know we're right, we we don't want to give fairness and good attention to those that we disagree with. And it's very easy then to talk about other belief systems, other ideas in a way that isn't as true to them as we are to us. It's not as fair to their beliefs as we are fair to our own beliefs. And this is really reinforced today especially because if you pay attention to the news, if you pay attention to things like social media, we have almost started abandoning the fight for truth and instead have picked up the fight against people we don't like. This is often called tribalism. This is called um, living in a post-truth world where we come out of postmodernism, where there is no such thing as truth. And now we seem to be coming into an era or a worldview system where 
We know there's truth, but that doesn't matter as much as what our group believes, what our tribe believes. We will craft our truth to be the strongest possible, and anyone who disagrees with us, we will demean and belittle and even disrespect them and what they believe to really show that we are on the right side. And, you know, my stance with stuff like that is that sinners are going to do what sinners do, right? Pagans are going to do what pagans do. We are not in charge of regulating the behaviors and beliefs of others. However, as God's people in a an age that is very connected, we have started adopting those practices, not just in terms of politics and people we disagree with, but even in our religion and, and even within Christianity, our beliefs versus those who are still followers of Jesus Christ, but they believe differently than us. We don't have a freedom. We don't allow a freedom of different understandings and, and respectfulness, but instead we have almost a very haughty attitude sometime where it's not just a matter of calling out false teachers and false doctrines. That is something that God's word very clearly commands us to do. But instead, when we have different denominations or even different people within our church who believe slightly differently, we are less concerned with accurately and adequately representing our side and their side, but instead we explain their beliefs, we explain their behaviors, explain their understandings in a way that makes it look completely absurd and ridiculous. And when we do that, I'm going to argue that not only are we just being dishonest or disrespectful or slightly unloving, but instead we are in sin when we do that. And when we are in the midst of this particular sin, we are going to not only, obviously, sin against our God, but more specifically, we're also going to be able to or be unable to effectively engage with people and therefore win them over to truth. And we are not going to be able to really understand truth for ourselves because we're going to be so scared of being wrong and refuse to admit that maybe someone's beliefs we disagreed with are actually right, that we're going to be stuck in ignorance and and willful foolishness and, and choose to be wrong simply because we've spent so much time mocking and belittling others. Now, what I'm getting at here is that as Christians, we have adopted the dangerous and sinful practice of creating straw man arguments. Now, what is a straw man argument? The best way I think to do it is through kind of a, a word picture. So for those who don't follow the boxing world, and I don't, I know a handful of names, uh, but Floyd Mayweather Jr. is a professional boxer who was undefeated for 50 matches, which is a huge deal in boxing. Now, imagine that you've never seen a boxing match before, but you've heard of this guy named Mayweather and your friend tells you, hey, this is Mayweather's final match. I know you don't like boxing, but just come and see what the big deal is. Come see why this man is so impressive that he is so undefeated for 50 matches. Now, if you don't know boxing, you may not know what to expect. You know there's some kind of punching involved and a ring that's actually a square and not a circle. But sure, you're, you're curious, you're excited, and this is a very big and historic event. So you go to this boxing match... And as you sit down, the crowd is just building with excitement and tension, and, and there's cheering. People got their shirts, people have their signs. 
and as the boxers enter the ring, you suddenly get a little confused. You see Floyd Mayweather Jr., a very impressive person, someone you don't want to tangle with. But his opponent isn't someone who you would match up against him, because his opponent is just a scarecrow that's being propped up on a wooden stand. Now, the scarecrow has the boxing shorts on, it's got the boxing gloves on its, you know, duct tape to its arms. So it looks very much like a boxer. It looks like it could be an opponent. It is dressed up to look like a threat, but the reality is that it's not. And so as that bell rings and Mayweather comes out looking impressive and intimidating, he completely demolishes his opponent. The crowd erupts in cheers and the undefeated champ continues to be undefeated. He just completely wipes the floor with his opponent as he has done for the past 50 matches. Now, if you're looking around there, you're going to think that people have collectively lost their minds. How is this impressive? How is someone who has spent so much time training refusing to actually engage with an opponent? Why is he not only just beating up this thing that is completely helpless and not even a real person, but why are people cheering for it? Well, this is what a straw man argument looks like. It is when we come with very strong facts or what appears to be strong facts. We are well studied. We have all these positive, good arguments for our side. And then when we talk about the opposition, we dress them up to look like a real belief system. We make it sound like we're being fair and accurate to them. And then as we go to combat our opponent, really we're doing the same thing as in that boxing example where we're just beating up an imaginary opponent who kind of looks like a threat. It looks like someone we should be beating up and fighting and debating and arguing against. But realistically, it's nothing. It is zero effort on our part to tear down that opponent's belief systems. And the point is not to show people who are on the other side how right we are, but instead to get cheers and pats on the back from people who already believe what we believe and who are already on our side. And so just like we would find it ridiculous that people should cheer for a boxer who seems to tear apart his opponent who didn't put up a fight, we should also be very hesitant to start cheering for people who tell us about a, a religion or a political viewpoint or an ethical viewpoint or things like that. We should be very hesitant to cheer for them and pat them on the back and call them the champion and say that they're clearly the superior belief system when they haven't actually dealt with that belief system. They haven't actually gone against an opponent and instead have just made a very easy slam dunk knockout argument that only makes sense if you already want to cheer for that person. So that is kind of the, the idea of what a straw man argument is, right? It is a very poor representation of someone else. Even if you're not actually talking to a physical human being and actually get engaging in some kind of professional or casual debate, the reality is that even if we are presenting someone's argument, if we are not being accurate to it, then we're actually being dishonest. And whatever strengths our position may seem to have for those who are paying attention, and especially for those who already don't agree with us or who lean more towards the 
belief system we are tearing apart, they're going to be repelled. They're going to be pushed further and further away from us and our belief systems because they see that we are not dealing in truth and honesty and accuracy. We are just beating up straw men. So let me give some examples that are a bit more specific to see where we see straw man arguments on both sides of these different debates and discussions that people have. So science, there are people who would say that young earth creationists reject sound science. There are people who would say that old earth creationists exchange the Bible for evolution. So we have Young Earth creationists, which I would align myself with that, being represented as just rejecting sound science. They refuse to fall in line with what the scientific community says, and they just believe in, in myths and fairy tales and nonsense. Meanwhile, old Earth creationists, so people who would say that the Bible is compatible with the theory of evolution, or theistic evolution, really. There are people on my side of the fence who would say that they replace the Bible with evolution. They compromise the Bible with evolution and that everyone who believes in old earth creation is guilty of this. Now, the reality is that both sides have scientific and biblical reasons for why they believe the universe is either thousands or millions of years old. And if we're willing to be fair to those we disagree with, we can better not only engage with why they believe what they believe, but better defend and understand our own beliefs because we are forced to do so. But when we straw man it, then we can say, oh, I don't need to engage with young earth creationists. They don't even believe in science. Or I don't need to engage with old earth creationists. They don't even believe in the Bible. Now, on the more political side of things, in the discussion of abortion, you, there are those who would say that pro-lifers hate women. So if you are pro-life, you hate women. Or if you are pro-choice, you hate the unborn or you hate children. Now, the problem with this is that neither of these accusations addresses why someone fights for the rights of women or the unborn. But instead, it distracts us by making us angry at how little they seem to care for one part of the population. Now, if you are pro-life, you would be you would find it ridiculous that you hate women just because you fight for the rights of the unborn. And as a pro-choicer, you might find it ridiculous that if you're fighting for the rights of women, you must, as a necessary consequence, hate the unborn. Now, here's a fun one that I'm almost hesitant to touch with the 10-foot pole. So, Calvinism is unbiblical, or Arminianism is unbiblical. Now, if you don't know what either of those are, there's so much to it. But the kind of crux of it is that Calvinism, the biggest issue that people take with Calvinism is the idea that God chooses some to be saved. And Arminianism says that it is our choice whether or not we are saved. Consequently, Calvinism would also argue that once you are saved, you cannot be unsaved because salvation's not up to you. Whereas Arminianism necessarily has to argue that because it is your choice to be saved, you can also choose to be unsaved. So the, the two points are God chooses who is saved and therefore we cannot be unsaved. And Arminianism, it is our choice, it is our free will whether or not we accept Jesus Christ. But as a result, we can lose our salvation by our own choice or by our own actions. Now, 
Both of these accuse one another of being completely unbiblical. And in Christian circles, just the blanket accusation of, oh, that's unbiblical. That is a very easy way to avoid engaging with something because we just call it unbiblical. We dust our hands and we move on. Now, sometimes if we are making a side point, then we can, of course, say something is unbiblical if that's not the thing that we're really dealing with. But if someone says, hey, what do you think about Calvinism? And someone says, oh, well, that's unbiblical. And that's all they give you. They don't explain why it's unbiblical. They don't engage with what Calvinism believes, or on the flip side, they don't engage with what Arminianism believes. Then you haven't really dealt with someone's belief system. You just paint them as a very easy, oh, if you believe that, you're believing something unbiblical, so don't believe it. Well, then we don't really know what that person or that group believes, nor do we really need to deal with what we believe. Because if they're unbiblical, then let's just stay on our side and stay biblical. But again, both sides have, I mean, they use God's word to defend their beliefs. So it's it's not anti-biblical. It's not non-biblical. So what is it that is actually wrong with one belief or the other? We don't know. Now, another fun one that has been coming up over the last maybe decade or so is that all Republicans are racists and all Democrats are communists or all Democrats are socialists. Now, what this does is this takes a single policy or a a small representation of one group. It warps it to the most extreme and ugly and undesirable thing it can. And then it shows how because of this policy or this belief or whatever, clearly this group cannot be distinguished from racists or communists. And again, it's not dealing with why one group has the policies they do. You just label them as something undesirable and say, if you support them, then you support racism or you support communism. It's, it's making your opponent something very easy to beat up and engage with and not have to do the hard work of accurately representing here or why reasonable and functional adults believe this or that. And then uh, the last example I want to give is Christianity versus atheism. So atheists might say that Christians just want you to have blind faith. They just want you to believe without any reason. They want you to turn off your brain. Or Christians might say that atheists believe that you just evolved from a monkey. And that's, that's really all you are. You're just a smarter monkey than what you see at the zoo. Now, what both of these do is they are taking a very basic belief, right? Because Christianity does rely on faith. Atheists do believe in evolution and a monkey looking figure or a monkey like ancestry is a part of that belief system. But what we do is we take a basic belief And we present it in a way that if you believe in Christianity or if you believe in atheism, you are clearly a fool. You are clearly non-thinking. You clearly don't have respect for yourself because why would you be a Christian and have blind faith? Why would you believe things that you know aren't true? Or why would you believe that you evolved from a monkey? Both of them kind of snub their nose at the other and say, oh, those poor people, they are so misguided. They are so ignorant. They are so stupid. How could they believe that? Again, straw man arguments. It is it is creating an opponent of another belief system that is easy to tear down and dismiss without actually engaging with it. Now, 
Make no mistake, we all love straw man arguments. It is very hard not to fall into it. Sometimes we do it not trying to be hostile, right? We are just, we are used to this kind of Twitter mentality of just saying things in as few characters as possible. We're, we're try, we try to take complex ideas and break them down into something that is easily digestible because of our audience or because of how our brains are being kind of rewired to think because we can't hold complex and, and difficult thoughts anymore. On the other hand, sometimes we love straw man arguments because it just feels good. We want to feel right. We want to be victorious. We want to be on the winning side. And for some of us, maybe we're even scared that if we truly and accurately represented the other side, we may not be as confident or firm in our own beliefs because we realize, I don't know why I lean this way politically. I don't know why I think this is right or this is wrong. I can't really explain why I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And so rather than dealing with the frustration and the pain and the struggle of hammering out our own beliefs and even being willing to modify or abandon those beliefs, we just rely on these quick, pithy accusations against the other side where we and those around us collectively say, hey, if you're on that team, if you're on that belief system, if you're on that side, you're a dummy. And that's all we have to do. We feel smart and superior and as though we've really won an argument simply because in as few words as possible or even by just sharing an image on social media, we've torn down this complex and intricate belief system that hundreds of thousands or even millions of people hold to. So if we are realizing this about ourselves, if we're realizing that we use straw man arguments to feel superior to someone, if we realize that we have the, these religious and political and ethical and you know all, all these different groups that we disagree with, but we don't really understand why they believe what they believe, right? We don't truly understand why rational adults would let their lives be crafted by this particular belief system then what do we do about it? Or why should we care? Because everyone else does it. People at our church do it. People on the news do it. People we follow on social media do it. Everyone is always just easily and casually tearing down the other belief system, the other side, those other tribes out there. So why, at the end of the day, should we care if we realize that we're doing it? Well, ultimately, a straw, a straw man argument is claiming to tell the truth about what someone believes, and then it shows why others shouldn't believe it. It's saying, hey, this person or this group believes this thing, and then they are shocked, or they, they hand wave it away when people on that side or of that belief system say, no, that's not what we believe. That's not accurate. That's not true. And so what happens in that instance? Well, like I talked about earlier, it's not just that we are being lazy or, you know, trying to feed our pride, but we are actually lying about those people. And those people know that we're lying about them. When we are misrepresenting, when we are not trying to be accurate about what they believe, because there's a huge difference between not fully understanding it and having a misunderstanding on our part as we explain it and intentionally and even maliciously representing an argument or a belief system 
regardless of the fact that how we represent it is completely illogical and irrational, despite the fact that logical and rational people hold to it. And those logical and rational people point out to us that that is not what they believe. So, but God's word very clearly has something to say about what we do when we build these strong man arguments, when we create an opponent that is easy for us to tear down and act like it's an accurate representative of what we are opposing. So Exodus 12, or excuse me, Exodus 20:16 says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, that's pretty plain, right? We are saying, hey, I stand here as a witness telling you this is what these people believe. This is what I have learned and come across and understand about these people. Well, we're being false with that. Therefore, we are lying. And lying isn't just this thing. Well, oh, everyone lies. It's a white lie. It's not like I'm lying about you know my taxes or I'm lying to my spouse about committing adultery. No, lying is still not good. Lying is still sin. Christ still has to die for lies. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. So when we make straw man arguments, when we misrepresent people we don't agree with, when we share things online that are not accurate, we are committing an abomination before our God. Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10 says... Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So here, Paul is pointing out that when we lie to each other, we are not acting like people who have been given a new nature. We are not acting like the children of God. When we lie about people through straw man arguments, we are acting like the rest of the world. We are acting as enemies of God. And then... Last one, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So let's just be real here. When we are creating strawman arguments, when we are debating people online, when we are standing up in and teaching at church or talking to our children or talking to our friends and we are intentionally misrepresenting someone's belief system and someone's argument it is not god giving us a high five the holy spirit is not patting us on the back it is satan who wants to run up and give us a high five give us a pat on the back and say yeah you got him champ let's not ignore how serious this is i don't care if it's what we see all over the news i don't care if other Christians at our church do it. I don't care if if our pastor does it. When we lie, we are channeling that same, I don't know, energy, that same belief, that same behavior as Satan himself. Satan is the father of lies. And when we are lying about people we disagree with, we are doing the will not of God. We're doing the will of Satan. We are fulfilling his desires for how human beings ought to act. So this might be a time where someone needs to pause and reflect and say, have I done that? Can I look through my social media feed and see political posts and religious posts that I've shared that have not been accurate? Because if so, each one of those is representing a lie. It's representing a sin that had to be placed on Jesus Christ. 
And I don't think that that is something that we want to stand for and defend and try to make right or, or try to justify. Instead, we do want to make it right. Whether we need to repent publicly, whether we need to just remove things, whether we need to go to people that we've talked to and acknowledge that we have wronged them and ask for their forgiveness. The reality is that we lie and therefore we need to repent and fix any damage that we've done through our lies. And again, this doesn't just impact our upward relationship to God, but our outward relationships, because whether right or wrong, someone's religious beliefs and their political beliefs are often core to their identity. So when we are lying about someone's political beliefs or, you know, what they want, what they desire, what they love or what they hate, when we are saying to someone, hey, if you are a Democrat, you hate babies or you you know, want to destroy everyone's freedoms, then we haven't just lied about their beliefs, but to them, we've lied about the core of who they are. We have completely misrepresented them because of how they find their identity and their political beliefs. Same thing with religions. You know, if we say that, oh, all Muslims are terrorists that just want to kill you. And if you have a single Muslim who is not like that, who does believe in a, a more peaceful version of that religion then we have misrepresented them. We have lied about not just their religion, but them specifically. We have said, hey, you want to kill everyone. And they would say, no, I want to kill no one. But we say, no, no, I said that you want to, and that's what the truth is. If we've lied about people, if we've misrepresented them, if we have built a straw man argument about them, we have sinned against them. We've sinned against our God and, about, and against those people. And if we wonder why people don't want to listen to Christians, there are some good reasons, right? Christ promises that people are going to hate us because of what we represent. But people need to hate us because of Christ, not hate us because of who we are. And then they hate Christ because of us. There's a huge difference to that. And straw man arguments don't make people hate Christ or hate us because of Christ. They make people hate Christ because of us, because of his people, how we lie about other people in the world and are not fair and accurate and true with how we defend our faith, our beliefs against other beliefs out there. Now, the final issue that we run into with straw man arguments is how it impacts our worldview. So not only does it very clearly and obviously skew what we believe is true about the world and true about other beliefs out there, but again, as I alluded to earlier, when we make an argument so weak, so pathetic, so easily torn down, then we have to do no work on our own side to defend what we believe. And so if we are saying, oh, you know, if you believe in evolution, you just, you know, you believe all these lies that we came from monkeys then we don't really need to understand why we believe in a young earth creation. If someone is arguing that, oh, you know, Christians just have blind faith and, and they're just a bunch of idiots who are just deluded and are a bunch of sheep. Well, then that person doesn't need to understand why millions of people throughout all of history have believed in the truths of Christianity. So it stunts our own beliefs. It doesn't force us to challenge what it is that we believe. It doesn't make us able to defend ourselves against someone else because our beliefs only need to be strong enough to stand against whatever opponent 
we're arguing with. And so if we're arguing against a straw man, then our arguments, our beliefs, our own understandings only need to be strong enough to stand against the weak picture that we create. But if you've ever watched a debate online or in person, you know what it looks like, or maybe you know what it looks like when someone comes very prepared and they go against someone who is woefully unprepared. And as followers of God, people who proclaim that we have the absolute truth that the creator and sustainer of the universe has given us, and yet we can't really defend ourselves against anything more than a scarecrow, then is it any surprise that people don't live victorious Christian lives? Is it any surprise that their children grow up and abandon the faith because they have no context and no foundation for their own beliefs? This shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us that Christianity is losing favor all throughout America and even the world because generation by generation, people just fall in with these very easy and lazy arguments against other beliefs and then don't have a means of defending and explaining and proclaiming their own beliefs to other people. And these are the dangers of straw man arguments. This is why it is such a huge deal and why I'm even making this episode is because I and you and all followers of Christ out there, we need to not lie. We need to not create a barrier between us and others. And we need to have a reason to study, to defend our faith, to understand why we believe what we believe, because we want to make sure that we are believing things accurately. We want to make sure that Christianity is something worth devoting our lives to. And in a, in a more uh, zoomed in level, we want to make sure that our particular understanding of Christianity is worth defending, is worth passing on to our children or to people at our church. So, you know, Calvinism versus Arminianism, Bible translation methods, denominations, worship styles. I mean, all the stuff that we as Christians say, this is how it ought to be, and I've got it right, and, and everyone else is at least slightly misguided. We want to make sure that we fully and accurately understand why people disagree with us so that we can then go back and create the strongest possible argument for our beliefs that can stand up against the strongest possible version of someone else's beliefs. And so that then is going to transition us from beating up scarecrows to beating up robots. Because now I want to talk about not how to argue against a straw man, not how to argue against an easy opponent but to argue against a steel man, to argue against someone's belief and represent it in such a way that you may even represent it better than someone else might. You may help someone understand their own beliefs better because you have studied it and understood it so well that you can explain it not only better than them, but then you can present your argument in a way that clearly shows that when both sides are represented to their best possible level, your side is the one that is backed by logic, by God's word, by sound science, by whatever it is that you're discussing. You can accurately represent and tell the truth about someone and then having shown them that you can, they can trust you, you can then explain to them why, despite their belief seeming logical, seeming rational and, and having a good foundation, why it falls apart, why it's weak, or why what you believe and are going to argue for is a superior way. So that is the the overview of a steel man argument. It's just basically briefly and basically and simply and honestly 
explaining someone's belief, which requires us on one hand to study their belief so well that we can do that. Not just get some bullet points off Google, but honestly try to understand why do people follow this religion? Why do people believe that atheism is the superior mindset? Why do people follow this political party? Or why do people believe that this is ethical? Or why do people get involved in secular psychology? Or why do they reject psychology? So when we are willing to build those steel man arguments, there are, I'm going to argue, eight, probably more than eight, but we're just going to talk about eight benefits to building a steel man argument, to representing someone's argument so well that they cannot possibly say, no, no, you've misunderstood me. But instead they can say, no, you've understood me very well. You've understood my position and my beliefs very well. And I think actually looking at my recording time, I'm going to split this into two parts. So in this episode, we've talked about what straw man arguments are. They are essentially us acting like we are professional boxers beating up scarecrows and acting like we've really and thoroughly defeated a real complex and difficult opponent. We've talked about why straw man arguments are essentially lying and therefore sin and that God hates it when we do that. We've talked about how it not only affects our vertical relationship with our Lord, but also our horizontal relationships as people that we lie about have a barrier put in front of them where we say, hey, I'm going to lie about what you believe, but now let me tell you the truth. We remove people's ability to trust us and hinder their desire to even listen to what we're saying. And finally, we talked about how not only does it hinder all that, but it also impacts us negatively because Our beliefs are only going to be as strong as what we understand about the the downsides of it. So if we are just building straw man arguments, then we don't need to exercise. We don't need to train. We don't need to struggle, right? An 80-year-old grandma can knock down a scarecrow, but an 80-year-old grandma cannot stand up against Floyd Mayweather Jr. And so when we are, when we refuse to deal with a real opponent. And I'm not just talking actually getting into face-to-face debates, but when we refuse to understand someone's beliefs and represent them in a way that's accurate, then we have no reason, no compulsion to do the same for our beliefs. Our beliefs can be just as weak and flimsy as the straw man that we create. The only thing that matters is that ours are just strong enough, just accurate, or just uh, represented with a little more believability so that at the end of the day, it's clear which one is the most ludicrous and ridiculous to believe. So having talked about that in the next episode, we're going to talk about steel man arguments. So rather than lying about the opposition, we'll talk about how to represent them and why not only is that just straight up not lying, but some other benefits that we as followers of Jesus Christ, we'll see as we seek to accurately understand not only the beliefs of others, but why what we believe is still worth believing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. If this ministry is a blessing to you, there are three ways that you can support it. You can pray for Ray and Onward in the Faith itself. You can share this episode with others, or you can help with various expenses by visiting patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith or following the link in the show notes. 
We hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith towards maturity in Christ.